0: The content of the Tandem Radio program and website is intended for general information purposes only. It's not designed to provide listeners with specific and personal financial, legal, counseling, professional service, or other advice. The views expressed by show hosts, their guests, and callers are their own and should not be construed in any way as opinions of Tandem Radio or the Bridge FM network.
2: We want to welcome all of our radio and global internet listeners to the program. And now here's our host, Glenda Lakian.
4: You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours, says Psalms 1282. Good morning and welcome to Tandem Radio Live. This is your host, Glenn DeLake, here each Saturday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. I want to welcome not only our regional audience, but our national and international audience as well. It's always good to hear from all of you on Facebook and uh, uh, emails that you send in, asking questions and so forth. And uh, we just love to talk to you about business and God's Word in business. Uh, For those who are are new, the show is uh, called The Good News on Business, and our goal is to help you find God's wisdom, uh, not only in the Bible, but apply it, that wisdom, in your business on a daily basis. And uh, We believe the old adage of all is fair in love and war is just not what God had in mind, (laughs) and He plans a 24-7 walk with Him every day. So, Unlike um, myself, years ago, I used to flick that switch on Monday morning and do whatever I got to do to make business happen, but God uh, grabbed a of me and said, hey, there's more to it than that, and I seek his word every day in what I do, and I hope that you would do the same. So the the Bible is just filled with wisdom and information that can help you on a daily basis, not only personally, but in your business life, and we hope that you would seek him in all that you would do. And each week, we have a, a guest on with us, and uh, this week's guest uh, is a gentleman by the name of Dick Brandt, and uh, we're going to tell you all about Dick in a minute. And uh, the title of our show is Managing International Business, and we're also going to talk about business ethics today. So those are two topics that are going to come together in a unique way, uh, but Dick is an uh, accomplished expert in that area. As a matter of fact, Dick Brand is an international consultant, advisor, accomplished public speaker. He has served in various vice president, as various vice president's uh, positions during a 25-year career at AT&T and Lucent, and currently is the director of the Iacocca Institute, which is based out of Lehigh University, and he probably has more miles full miles and anybody I've ever met in my life, so we're going to talk about that as well in a few minutes. But what we do with our show is we always start off with God's Word, because during the week, God gives me scriptures that uh, uh, tend to apply to what we're going to talk about on Saturday, and sometimes they jump right out at me and make all kinds of sense, and sometimes I say, God, why'd you give me this one for this week? But he always pulls it all together by the end of the show, and uh, that's what makes it exciting for me. So let's start with the three scriptures he put on my heart this week. The first one is Nehemiah 7.12. And uh, 7.12 says, "...I put in charge of Jerusalem my brother Hananiah, along with Hananiah, the commander of the citadel, because he was a man of integrity and feared God more than most men do." And Micah 4.3, he will judge between many peoples and will settle disputes for strong nations far and wide. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up a sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. And the last one, Matthew 12.21, in his name, the nations will put their hope. I love that one, Matthew 12.21, in his name. The nations will put their help, hope, and of course, that's the name of Jesus that they're talking about in that scripture. We have so much to talk about today. I got to speak with Dick a little bit before we started, and boy, we are packed today with information, so you're going to want to listen close, take notes, and uh, if you have any questions, please send them in to info at tandemradio.com, I-N-F-O at tandemradio.com. Tandemradio.com is a great resource. We'll talk more about it later. Uh, Many of you are listening through tandemradio.com. I know my son's tuning in down in Washington, D.C. This morning through this because it's a topic that interests him and uh, people around the country send us information and, and emails and tandemradio.com is just filled with resources and you can reach us at info@tandemradio.com at but for right now let's get right into our guest managing international business is the title of the show today again Dick Brandt is an international consultant advisor accomplished speaker he has served in various vice president positions during a 25-year career at AT and T and Lucent Technologies currently the director of Iacocca Institute. Uh, for the last 15, 16 years, and that's based out of Lehigh University. Dick, I want to welcome you to the show. Good morning.
3: Good morning, Glenn. Thank you.
4: Uh, no problem. It's great to have you. I know you have a crazy schedule, so I'm really glad you squeezed us in this Saturday. Uh, Dick, before we kick off, why don't you tell uh, our audience a little bit about your background and yourself?
3: Well, I grew up in uh, Cleveland, Ohio, and uh, and I was the first one in my family to actually go off to college. And, um, and the way I made my money for uh, college was I had a rock and roll band. Oh, really? Pretty funny now <laughs> when I think about it. But for uh, 25 years, I, I ran a musical group, and that's how I made all the the money. No kidding. But um, never thought I'd go into business, absolutely at all. And um, that's a funny story. Maybe we'll go back to that at the end. You say you like to talk about funny stories. I yeah. wanted to be a teacher. Uh, I studied English and journalism. That's all I ever really wanted to do was to become a teacher. But Anyway, I got into business. I was in, after college, I went into the military Mm. and uh, ended up in a public relations job because of my journalism, even though the military trained me to fire missiles for months (laughs) and months, and then I didn't get a chance to do it. But I went into business, and that started my uh, 25-year career, of which 15 of those years I was overseas. And that was the last part of my career, and I never expected to do that either. That's another funny story. But uh, it ended up that the last part of my career I was gone and uh, lived in six countries.
4: Wow. And you covered a lot of miles in those uh, those years for sure. So so you, you went into business, you were involved in AT&T for all those years, and then in Lucent, obviously, as the name changed. Sure. And then you got into the Iacocke Institute. Tell us about that. How did you transition from corporate America into the Iacocke Institute?
3: Well, as I, I mentioned to you, I always wanted to be a teacher. And when I decided to retire, my wife said, why don't you do that which you've always wanted to do? And mm. so I I sent out a, a brochure on about 25, 26 different courses that I had written about doing international business. Mm. And uh, just by luck, one of those brochures ended up in the hand of the president of Lehigh at that time when he was having a meeting with Leah Iacocca, who had this vision for this international program. And I got this call. I didn't even know where Lehigh University was. I'm not a Pennsylvanian. (laughs) And drove there, met him, and uh, that's how it started. They asked Mm. me to be an instructor and a teacher there at Lehigh, and I started off. And then the next year, took over this new international program. And the following year, I took over the Institute.
4: So you went from corporate America, you got back into teaching, and you're doing what you love right now. Right. That's great. It's amazing how God makes these things weave together. Now, let's talk about the Institute. Tell us what the Institute really is.
3: Well, the institute is a, a leadership and international business and entrepreneurship institute. Lee mm-hmm. had this this vision that um, first U.S. business young people were missing the boat overseas, mm-hmm. and they didn't understand how difficult it was to do business across cultures. Right. Uh, one of those factors is one we'll talk about later because of the whole ethical issues, mm-hmm. but. Anyway, he had this vision that if we could bring young business people together from all these different cultures and mix them with American young business people and college students at that time, that um, we would get a much better understanding as people began to live together and work together. And that's what we did. Mm. So – so we, Lee
4: had this vision, right, and he yeah. started this idea, and then you came in and uh, uh, helped, started to help it along. So tell us specifically what are some of the functions that the Iacocke Institute is doing today.
3: Today, Okay. Well, we, we run this uh, global business program for young business people called the Global Village Program for okay. Future Leaders of Business and Industry. That's six weeks during the summer. Mm-hmm. That's the first program. The second one is called the PSGE, which is a Pennsylvania School for Global Entrepreneurs. That's a high school program, 16- oh, okay. and 17-year-olds, been running 11 years. Mm. That's the second element. The third element is we run programs called On the Move, where we take this kind of fundamental elements of our education and move them to other countries. And oh, okay. we do that also. We also do some professional education. And the last thing, which we've just started a few years ago, is we've started to develop a network to send Lehigh students overseas to do internships, real work experiences for two months Mm. in foreign countries. And so those five things are what consumes.
4: Wow. So these programs, are they all over the summer or are they throughout the whole year?
3: Well, the, uh, the the major programs are during the summer because we take over all the facilities at Lehigh, and, of okay. course, the summer is the only time we can do that. Right. The, the ones that are run overseas can be run any time. That's mm. usually designated by our partners. And the internships are during the summer because that's when the kids can take a break from right. their seminars, uh, I mean, from the semesters, and get overseas for the whole summer. Mm.
4: Yeah. So you have... Um, Students from all over the world coming together for this. What are some of the countries that participate right during this?
3: Yeah, well, we have we've had 125 countries wow. in the uh, in the program. We have 50 on an average every summer, right? Okay. and they have to come from every every region. So we cover. Uh, western europe and eastern europe Mm. then we cover central and latin america we cover all of asia and then we cover the middle east and africa and then north america represented by mexico of course and uh, canada
4: Hmm. well i was impressed when we were talking before the show about some of the people who you get to sit in the same room let's talk about that real quick because we got a lot to cover today yeah but uh, (laughs) you have all these countries let's talk about some of these that you mentioned before that People are actually sitting next to each other in the same well, room yeah, you they expect. Well, yeah, they not only
3: sit next to each other, they have to learn to understand each other. So, like, yeah. we had Serbs and Croats together, and right. we have our, our friends and our business young people from all throughout Israel, at least four of them, sitting together last year with Iran and Iraq and Pakistan wow. in the same rooms. And, you know, we go with Armenia and Tur- Turkey, which you would know about Georgia and Azerbaijan, and the Russians with <laughs> right. the, uh, you know, we have the we we have the the Israelis with the the Lebanese. Right. So we have people who, in real life, their countries are fighting. Right. And yet these young people come to figure out how to get along with each other.
4: And uh, I guess the international language is business in these cases. <laughs> it is business. And,
3: and and thank God for America, uh, because it's lucky for us, because we get a chance, the fact that English has become the universal business language. There you go. And so they're all speaking English together. But, yeah, the universal language is how do we do business together.
4: Right. And we're going to talk about some of the cultural differences and the cross-cultural ethical differences yeah. and so forth. There's just so much to cover, social awareness and so forth. So if you're tuning in, you just heard the tip of the iceberg today. We're here with Dick Brandt. And uh, Dick, again, is an international consultant, advisor, and accomplished public speaker. He served in various vice president positions during 25-year career at AT&T. And now he's a director of the Iacocca Institute, which is based out of Lehigh University. He's got so much to share with us. If you have uh, interest, interest, Interest in international travel, we're going to touch on that. If you have a flair for international business, we're certainly going to talk about that. And uh, if you just wondered how do these countries get along in a business relationship, it's funny because sometimes the countries we see as... uh the most adverse to our country, sometimes we're still doing business with them. So uh, we have to look at that, and business is becoming an international language. You're listening to Tandem Radio Live, and this is Glenn DeLake, and your host here every Saturday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. We got the uh, A-team in today, and I'm excited to see them in, helping us out to get this show off the ground. And uh, we're just filled with information uh, on our website. You want to check that out, tandemradio.com. Uh, there's resources there. There's information on our sponsors. that are all Christian-based businesses, uh, and there's so many uh, other things there there's previous shows you could see our archive shows and i say you can see because we actually video these shows and you can actually see what we look like on a saturday morning so (laughs) check out tandemradio.com we got so much more for you coming up right after this break stay
0: tuned The Fellowship of Christian Athletes, FCA, has become a worldwide Christian sports ministry starting back in the 1950s by sports legends like Branch Rickey, Otto Graham, and John Wooden the vision of fca is to see the world impacted for jesus christ through the influence of athletes and coaches billy graham wrote fca has grown into the most extensive ministry of its type in the world for more information our fca link at tandemradio.com
5: are you cutting back at the office CSAVsystems.com works with you to find the right mix of technology to help make a greater impact. Whether you need wireless microphones, XM satellite music, or sophisticated teleconferencing, CSAVsystems.com can help you enhance your business. To find out more about how CSAV Systems can help you look and sound better, the number is 732-577-0077 or online at csavsystems.com, a sponsor of Tandem Radio.
4: Well, welcome back to Tandem Radio Live. I hope you're uh, enjoying this show as much as I am. It's the uh, we're talking about managing international business and ethics in international business, and our special guest, Dick Brandt, is in, who's a director of the Iacocca Institute. Um, now, uh, many of you, I think all of you, should probably be familiar with the name Lee Iacocca and uh, some of his accomplishments. Dick, I know you had mentioned that Lee is uh, doing well, even doing at age well.
3: 88. Yeah, age 88, and he's uh, still involved in the management of what we're doing. This at the institute, and he still runs a foundation in Boston for diabetes, and mm. he's still very active. You know, he was responsible for the whole refurbishment of our wonderful, uh, our wonderful statue in the river there. So the Statue of Liberty, right. if it wasn't for him, it wouldn't look the way it does today. So. Right. He's, he's a guy that knows you have to give back.
4: Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, it keeps you young, too, right? I mean, at 88 years yeah. old, he's still going strong. Still going strong. <laughs> so business, I think, is good for health. So, yeah, it is. Uh, so, I, I heard an old as saying. As long old, as it's good business. Right, right? exactly. Good ethical business. Right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I had heard it a long time ago, i rather, um, I rather burn out than rust out, right? Yeah, Just right. keep going. And <laughs> certainly, I, I, You know, it's funny because I've never found a word in the Bible for retirement. So, I mean, It's. Yeah, no. it's uh, I tried it for a while. I, I, I sold all my business at one time and took off for seven months. And I was, like, ready to strangle somebody. It didn't work. So I was only 35. So I was like, yeah, I got to get something going. But anyway, uh, so let's get back into our topic. We're talking about international business and managing international business and also more on the social awareness and ethical side. So I want to talk about a lot of that stuff. But let's first start off with the entrepreneurial spirit. You know, you have these people coming from all these different backgrounds. How does the entrepreneurial spirit, like, cover this whole gamut of people you have in this classroom?
3: Right. Well, I think first what has to happen is they have to understand that a lot of the young people um, mm-hmm. that are in business from all over the world are struggling with the same things they are. Right. So it, it helps to have a group of 100 together that are all kind of going through the same things together. Um uh, secondly, what we found is that family business is still the core of entrepreneurial spirit in most of these countries. In mm. fact, in a lot of countries, the governments are agonizing, particularly like in Italy, uh, where I spend a lot of time, they're agonizing of how do we get the young generation who's taking over these companies to look more outside of what their father or mother did when they mm. started this company. Right. And so this young spirit of how you get businesses to look outside their borders, how they can collaborate with other young people in business is what we're all about actually
4: Hmm. now you know i can't help but think about this and it it jumps out obviously because it's our theme of our show but you're a committed christian and and i understand your background in that respect how does that come into play when um you have all these different uh religious background people who some of them are such hard line right Right. Uh, that are sitting in the same room how does that come into play
3: well, it's a tough conversation. Uh, we have a we actually have a, a panel on leadership, which is the last thing that they do when they leave. Mm. And one of the panelists always talks on servant leadership with okay. Christ as the example. Oh, okay. Now it happens that it's it's somebody from the University of Mary in North Dakota, which has a leadership center out there. Mm. So it's it sometimes was the president who was a Benedictine nun, um, really? or one of the fathers, or one of the committed Christians, mm. um, who believe that servant leadership is a way for you to think about the way in which you lead. And, wow. of course, the greatest servant leader was Jesus Christ. So this is an interesting conversation when i got <laughs> Jews and Muslims and Hindus right. and atheists all sitting there in the room. Can I come and sit in on one another? <laughs> yeah, you sure that, can. That I'd sounds lo- pretty I'd interesting. I'd love to have you come there. Yeah, that and, sounds –
4: I'd yeah. love to hear that conversation. Yeah. It's funny because um, uh, we, we've had some people in here where, where – Uh, our backgrounds differ, you know, a lot, yet we're both committed Christians. And I've always wondered, matter of fact, some of them I have to get together with and and just sit and say, how do you think that way, yet you're a committed Christian? But it's interesting.
3: But, I mean, to your point, the the issue is is that there are people sitting in the audience who say, you don't understand what it takes to do business in my country. And it isn't based around some of the Christian values that you're talking about up there in the front of the room.
4: Yeah, and I think that's so important because— that's another conversation we're going to have in the next segment about the ethics about it all. But uh, it just came to mind. Let's just digress for a second and talk about international travel for a minute, okay? Because that always sounds glitzy and exciting, you know. (laughs) And back in the day, I know probably more was, uh, I remember when I used to do a lot of traveling for consulting in the day and the company was paying the bills, you know, it was great, you know. Uh, But it's totally different today. But let's start with international travel. Tell us a little bit about your experience there. I mean, was it all that?
3: Well, I mean, obviously... um, it's become a lot harder. Mm -hmm. These days. I mean, it used to be a real joy. Uh, It's not so much anymore Mm -hmm. uh, because of the size of the planes, the size of the seats and, of course, the amount of security. And if you ever think that you've got a lot of security in this place and you know this, just fly in and out of Israel one time (laughs) and uh, fly out in and out of some of the German airports like Frankfurt. Right. Right. I mean, I look sometimes on a travel uh, statement that they're going to give me for flights and I look and I see that they've got me at an hour, hour and 15 minute connection in Frankfurt. Frankfurt airport and i won't take it right i won't make it right you our 15 minutes to get through the same airport you won't make it yep. by the time you go from one terminal to the other clear security in two or three places take off your shoes have every toiletry looked at you're not going to make it right and th- some even travel bureaus here don't understand that mm-hmm.
4: well that happened to my wife when she was flying back from cairo uh she was uh she had about I think almost an hour before she had to get on the plane. They said, you're not going to make it. And she's like, what do you mean? I'm here. I mean, I mean, it was late. You know, yeah. she The cab driver yeah. messed her up, got her there late. But they said, no, you can't get on the plane. Yeah. You'll never make it in an hour. She's like, I'm here. I'm at the airport. And they're like, you're going to Italy. And they flew her to Italy. She sat there for four or five hours. And then she flew in here. Yeah. It was kind of yeah. crazy. Yeah. But uh, so, you know, obviously security plays the issue. Yeah. But, are people still enticed by that from a business perspective? Are they still excited about traveling oh, I, internationally? I think
3: so. I mean, people are always excited about traveling to new cultures. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's part of this kind of halo effect that um, when you're opening up new markets and you're flying to new cultures, uh, it's always exciting. Of course, mm-hmm. when you get there and have to live there, then it becomes a different story when you figure out how tough it is to get the business done.
4: Right. Now, besides the the traveling aspect, yeah. how have you seen the international you know, relations or market or however you want to call it? change in the past few decades well i mean i know it's a big question no, it's a so, big question
3: you know. i guess when i started with the international business uh it was like every country had a chance right mm-hmm. i mean and so like when i was working in asia all the new tigers the malaysians the singapore's the thailand's everybody was going up at the same level mm. Here we are today, and, of course, we could spend the whole program talking. we got two dominant markets, China and India, uh, that are dominating everything, especially China. Mm. And um, it seems to dominate all the kind of business trade people are thinking about. How do I get in India? How do I get into China? If you're in Latin America, how do I get into Brazil? If you're in Eastern Europe, how do I get into Russia? And then they stop talking. Mm. And business is a lot more than those four countries or the BRICS Brazil, Russia, India, China. That's all the stories about the BRICS, right? right. It's a lot more than that, but people don't see it. Mm.
4: So are all these little countries still, like, really receptive about having
3: these oh, business relationships? Yeah, that, that is the good news. Mm-hmm. The good news is that their desire to have foreign capital come into their country is still as strong as it always was. Okay, It used to be that way in China. I mean, I was in China when Tiananmen Square happened, and I was there after when nobody would even go to China, mm-hmm. right? And there, that's why I had these meetings with the leader of China, Jiang Zemin, because they were dying to get anybody to come in there, big companies, to invest capital. Mm. Now, it's a whole different story right. in those countries.
4: Is is China as much as a, a, of an international threat as we think it, And I don't mean threat in a negative no. way, but <laughs> I, 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 is China going to have as much of an impact on business as everybody's thinking they are? It does. Yeah.
3: I mean, we could spend the program talking about that. The scary fact is that you probably have 50% of the world's manufacturing already being done there. Really? What happens when it's 60 or so What happens when a country controls the manufacturing of the world. Mm. Will it ever get there? I don't know if we ever get to that point, but that's a very scary question, sure. right? Um, and the amount of financial resources they have is phenomenal, mm-hmm. right? Uh, if you look at the number, right. 2.8 trillion, <laughs> trillion in assets. Right. Yeah, we've got that much, but it happens to go in the debt. other way. Yeah. It's in debt.
4: <laughs> the new American way, right? Yeah, right. Do they have the – besides the financial resources, do they have the physical resources, the natural resources to support all this? Well,
3: they don't, right? They have the physical resources and work, of course, and that's one of the big issues. Everybody goes to China for two reasons, market and and labor, right? right? And that's still the truth, right? But they don't have the physical resources, right? Mm -hmm. So that means – but today they can buy whatever they want, wherever they want. I mean, that's part of the conflict that's going on with the U.S. government – Because China buys the stuff they want from people that we don't really think are really good people to do that with. Right. And they basically say, we don't care. Right, right. Now, what
4: about the labor for I don't mean to get off yeah. on China, but I heard something recently from my uh, breakfast roundtable that that the um, uh, even the labor is starting to shift there, that the, the labor is becoming more it costly. Is. People are demanding more things. Right, Can't I tell me mean, about there's
3: that. been some recent, just this year, some major riots in some of the major retail di- districts where retail clothes are made and mm-hmm. so on because they're demanding more money, right. right? I mean, it's still nowhere near. It's still one-fifth to one-tenth the rate that we would pay here. Right. But it is coming up, and it's coming up quickly. And mm. the workers uh, are asking for that kind of respect, which has really not been given that way in China. So the Chinese government has a much bigger social issue to deal with <laughs> than we do here in this country.
4: right? And obviously, that's an ongoing thing. So do you see many people from China coming through your program?
3: Uh, We do. Um, In fact, uh, I was at a graduate. I I gave an an opening speech at one of our our three graduate programs just um, in August. And Mm. I counted around the room. And of the three graduate programs, 140, 150 people uh, that were international graduate students, 125 of them were all from mainland China.
4: Really? Wow.
3: (laughs) Right. Because they have the money.
4: Yeah, right. They have the money and the
3: desire, and they still want Western knowledge. Mm. And we're their biggest trading partner. Right. So they're sending their kids here.
4: It's amazing. The world is changing rapidly, and uh, we have to be on the top of our game to make sure we're on top of those changes, right? Well, Dick, I want to thank you. Uh, There's just so much more we need to talk about. You're listening to Tandem Radio Live. Again, our guest today is Dick Brandt, who's the director of the Iacocca Institute. uh, He's been doing that for about 16 years, and they're based out of Lehigh University. Very interesting organization. You may want to check them out and check their website out. There'll be a link to uh, the Iacocke Institute on our website at tandemradio.com. You can go there and check out uh, not only Dick's background, but also what the Institute is doing. And it's amazing uh, what's come together over the last 15 years. And I'm sure you've seen a lot of different things happen. we got so much to talk about. Uh, we're going to talk about Dick's travels and and some of the world leaders he's met with and uh, some of the circumstances. Um, we'll talk about the Middle East next, maybe, and some other areas. But uh, stay tuned, because we got a lot of powerful stuff. If you want to send in a question... Info at TandemRadio.com. I-N-F-O at TandemRadio.com is the place to send your questions. Whether it's a question about today's show or general business or any type of info you may need, we'll definitely get back to you one way or another. But stay tuned. we got a lot
0: more for you right after this.
1: You're listening to Tandem Radio, the good news on business.
2: Call our show at 1-800-575-9564 or visit our website at tandemradio.com. Hi, I'm Deborah Weiss, your Certified
3: Short Sale Specialist with Keller Williams Realty. If you owe more on your home than current market value and need to sell for any reason, a short sale might be the answer. Once again, I'm Deborah
1: Weiss with Keller Williams, Jersey Shore, serving Monmouth and Ocean counties. For more information,
5: my number is 908-670-9896 or online at shortsalespecialistnj.com. That's shortsalespecialistnj.com.
4: Well, welcome back to Tandem Radio. This is your host, Glenn DeLakian, and uh, we're talking about international business today. We're talking about international ethics and uh, so much more. But, of course, mostly we're talking about God's Word and how it interacts with business. Nehemiah 7.12 is the first scripture today. I put in charge of Jerusalem my brother Hananiah, along with Hanani- uh, Hananiah, along with Hananiah, the commander of the citadel, because he was a man of integrity and feared God more than most men do. Micah 4.3 three. He will judge between many peoples and will settle disputes for strong nations far and wide. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. A prophecy for the future. And Matthew twelve twenty one, and in his name, that's the name of Jesus Christ, in his name the nations will put their hope. You know, um, the Nehemiah scripture here points out about integrity and that's what I want to talk about in this segment. Um, Dick, I know uh, social awareness, business contact, business ethics, uh, cross cultural ethics that we don't even think about. I know um, when my son came back from Egypt. There was so many cultural things he learned there that was just uh, interesting to hear about. Um, Let's talk about business ethics uh, in relation to, especially the international. Let's start with this cross-cultural concept. Here you are pulling into a room or rooms, you know, all these people from cross-cultures, and more importantly, here you are when you're with AT&T, and so we're traveling to these foreign countries, and you have Mm. to sit across the table from people who are very, often very different from you, especially even from, you know, the very get-go, right? So, Talk, let's talk about the cross-cultural yeah. ethical differences. Well, of
3: course, the, the major issue is that ethics as we understand it mm-hmm. um, is not often the way other business cultures understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, that's why we had this Foreign Corrupt Practices Act that was created. We're the only country with it. 1977, it was written. And a lot of business people felt that restricted them. So, but the way in which we're supposed to work in an ethical way – with business being business and and not it being personal um, is not understood that way in many countries.
4: Mm. And what do you see as the biggest difference uh, from an ethical standpoint yeah. with these countries?
3: Well, it, what, it, what it comes down to is that they have a certain way upon which business is accomplished. Mm-hmm. And business is accomplished in a very personal way. Mm-hmm. And business is accomplished because of Personal favors. Right. And I mean, you know, because you're a businessman, you know that all business isn't company to company, it's really people to people. That's right. But it takes on a different context when certain favors, certain fees, certain money, certain gifts pass hands between people, which then opens the door for the business that you want to do. You'd like to believe the business is done <laughs> on the face of business to business. I have the best deal, I have the best product. Right doesn't work that way in many places.
4: Mm, it's interesting. I, I know, as I said, my, one of the things I thought was cool when my son told me about the Middle East is when you sit down to, to make a deal, like you pick something out in the store and you sit down to buy it, they actually want to have tea first before yeah, they'll actually sure. make the deal. You know, So there's a lot of nuances well, there that we take a lot, for granted. In fact,
3: um, I, I just ran a negotiations class just Friday mm-hmm. with uh, our honors program. Right. And it's between Chinese and American teams. And, in fact, one of the Chinese teams – Americans who were trying to act Chinese, right. they brought tea into the room, and the Americans wanted to get going. They came in with their <laughs> list, and they said, put it away, have some tea, sit down, tell me about your family. And the Americans were going berserk, right? like, let's get down to business, man. <laughs> and they're saying, no, no, first we're going to get to know each other, and right. we're going to have some— together right? the Middle East that could be an hour <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah it's funny because I, I just I just spoke to a, a group of business owners uh, Thursday actually and, and that's what we, my topic was relationships and we were right. talking about building relationships right. before you do business right. You know, and, right. and it, it's something that got lost here in right. the United States do, right. do you see that a lot in, in uh, foreign exchange I mean obviously you have our, the American way I mean is the American way really you know let's go get it done do it just move and right. everybody else is in a different place
3: yeah And really, I mean, of course, what's happening, the pace of the world has pushed it more towards our direction where we need to get business done. But it goes back to what we were just talking about 30 seconds ago and that it's people. Mm. And what happens is this relationship between people gets to go to a funny place when they're asking you to do things that help people on their side and gifts to certain people on their side. And because you and I, Glenn, know each other for years, we should find a way around this law around this custom so that we can help each other right and we're thinking in American business well this is business is business is it a good deal can we actually work together done right and they're not thinking that way <laughs>
4: <laughs> so so is, is so are these people be in general when I say these people yeah. are foreign countries to us? coming more in step with what we're doing or do we need to come more in step with what they're doing? No,
3: it's it's, it's actually coming this direction and um, uh, maybe you know this, but last year, the largest Foreign Corrupt Practices Act case ever was settled and it was settled between Germany and the United States with probably the most important company in all of Germany, Siemens, hmm. uh, because they were basically doing payoffs, at least what they found was oh, payoffs really? in 13 countries to the tune of $1.3 billion wow. in payoffs. No kidding. And they were fined one one point It's unheard of that a company of that size would receive a fine, and it was split between the German government and the American government okay. because the German government's trying to control it too. So more and more countries are coming this direction, but they know how difficult it is.
4: So, so this Foreign Corrupt Practices Act yeah. that the United States enacted in 1977, Seven, I don't right? even know it was around that long, yeah. um, are other countries adopting that besides Germany?
3: Well, yeah, a lot of them are trying to follow the principles, but nobody's actually taken an act to their Congress to do it, right? Because we're the only ones that do that,
4: right? So who brings these people to hold them accountable?
3: Well, well, first off, the act is not only involves Americans, of course. It involves American companies or anybody that works for an American company. But the way that the law is written, if your company, even if it's a foreign company, does principal business in the United States, Mm -hmm. you're covered no matter where you are in the world, or if your company is traded on the U.S. Stock Exchange, I don't care where it's based, you're covered. Mm. Or if the discussions take place in the United States, it's covered under the act. Mm. So it's a much wider net. When I meet with all these young international people, they had no idea that they were actually covered by this act. So now there are lawyers in these other countries, the Western, European ones, Mm -hmm. who are trying to basically administer this act. Now, when when these countries, when
4: people like uh, American businesses, let's say, since that's what I know about, uh, American businesses want to do business in these foreign countries, are they bringing these people here the foreigners here to to see what they're doing or, or are we sending people there or is it still a little of both
3: it's, it's a little of both but i mean once you go there right i mean one of the first stops usually you make in these countries is with the u.s commerce department right so the, okay. the commerce officer mm-hmm. there will lay out what the situation is whether or not there is this undercurrent of business that's really difficult that you can't get into mm-hmm. in many of these countries you have to have a foreign agent right Right? and a foreign agent um will be recommended to you and you can pick one that will get the business done but you'll go to jail (laughs) or you can pick one who'll find a way to get the business done and do it legally right right and you have to find those people on your own and then you bring them here to the united states to see your factories to kind of massage the deals, but most of it they want to get done over there in their country. Mm.
4: And, and what would you say right now, and and again, we don't know definitively, but what would you say is one of the toughest countries to do business? I mean, is it tougher to do business here because of all these guidelines and regulations, or are there other countries that well, are more difficult? Well, no, actually, difficult?
3: they would actually say that this is the easiest country in the world to do business oh, really? because okay. it's so transparent. It's oh, okay. really the transparency, not the regulations, right? Mm, right okay. um, I mean, it, it's difficult these days to do business um, in China because there's so many people trying to get into the market, right? Mm-hmm, right. Russia is another one that's difficult. Some of the Latin American countries are more difficult. They're less difficult uh, than it was like in Colombia right. uh, a few years ago. But um, everybody has their own set of, of rules and procedures. But mm-hmm. you just, you know, you follow the money. Where's all the big capital in the world going? And that's where people are sending people to do business. Then you got to figure out whether the social mores will allow you to do it there.
4: Mm, right, right, right. So many insight, ins and outs. It's really amazing. Um, let's just, again, back up for a second. Yeah. When you, you first started in business, because I know people who are business owners like to hear this stuff. When you first started in college, you got out, and you were gonna you wanted to be a teacher, as you said. Right. But you ended up in corporate America. I did. Tell us about that transition. Well, that
3: what happened, happened was uh, I went into public relations work in the military, and I was there uh, working in the military. Came out, and I was a public relations director for a school system in Ohio, hmm. right? Okay. What happened, short story, is that Ohio then um, had the first strike of public workers, public teachers. It wasn't allowed, of course, right. in the 1969-70s. Mm. And I was out there as the PR guy talking to all the unions, and I was on television. And just because I was there on the front line uh, talking about this strike, I got a call from the head of public relations for AT&T, who saw me on TV, called the station, found out that I'd been working, and said, hey. We have a job in business for you. I said, Business? He said, Yeah, business. Did you ever think about it? I said, No. He said, well, what do you make in the school system? And I told him, he said, well, what if we doubled it? I said, pardon me? Where do, where do you want me to show up for my interview? Right. <laughs> right? And that's how I got into business.
4: <laughs> well, well, like you just said before, that they follow the money, right? So, uh, you, <laughs> right but then the I money. never
3: went into public relations. And when I retired 25 years later, I met that guy. Oh, He's really? His name And he said, do you remember that you never took the public relations job that I hired you for? No kidding. Well, because I went into training and I could see that there were many more jobs in sales than in public relations. And oh, okay. I went into the business side.
4: Oh, okay, okay.
3: Right. And so he said, "You never took the job I hired you." <laughs> but he was laughing. So.
4: But still ended up with eighteen. That's right. funny. Yeah. And it was a good career for you. It was, it was a, a great long-term career. thing. Yeah. 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 Unfortunately, I don't think we see many of those anymore. You know, we're no, we having companies today. It's anymore. Just you know, uh, the old cradle to grave jobs. It's just uh, just not out there. No. But um, hey, you know, you retired from there. You moved into this Lee Coca um, Institute, and obviously. Brought you right back into teaching, right?
3: international business and teaching,
4: right? Well, you know what? It's funny because you mentioned that, and and we see a lot of people. uh, You know, I love to teach. I love to speak to business groups. It's funny because it's really an entrepreneurial bent. I mean, if you're an entrepreneur, you're teaching all the time, right? All the time. I mean, you're teaching your clients. You're teaching uh, uh, your employees. Uh, It's a constant teaching. uh, We we may call it even marketing, but you're really literally teaching people
3: all the time. No, absolutely. So those
4: skills have uh, paid off. You know, even
3: your cradle to grave comment, one of the reasons I went overseas was because I got a chance to be an entrepreneur inside a big company. Because every time I came into town, I was usually the first one in.
4: Let's talk about that yeah. right after the break. I'm right. glad you mentioned that because I wanted to see what the entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial. abilities yep. were in a large company. Yeah. You're listening to Tandem Radio Live. This is your host, Glenn DeLakin. And, uh, we're just excited to have Dick Brandt with us here today. He who's the director of the Lee Iacocca Institute. And he's been doing that for 16 years. International traveling, like unbelievable. I don't think he can estimate the miles, uh, his, his flying miles that he's got. But uh, a lot of interesting stuff still to pack into the last segment. So stay tuned. We got a lot more for you here at Tandem Radio.
5: See, SAV Systems can help you look and sound better. Is the word being heard clearly in your church? Do your sound and video presentations make your business look good? Is technology a struggle? You can let csavsystems.com provide the right technology to meet your needs as well as your budget. They've been designing professional sound and video systems for schools, churches, conference rooms, auditoriums, retail malls, hospitals, and more for over 25 years. csavsystems.com works with you to find the right mix of technology to help make a greater impact. Whether you need wireless microphones, XM satellite music, or sophisticated teleconferencing, csavsystems.com can help you enhance your business. To find out more about how CSAV Systems can help you look and sound better, the number is 732-577-0077 or online at csavsystems.com, a sponsor of Tandem Radio.
4: Well, welcome back to Tandem Radio Live. This is Glenn DeLake and your host here with Dick Brandt, uh, who's had a very dynamic career, uh, first with AT&T for 25 years and now the director of the Iacocca Institute at Lehigh University. And uh, he's covered the globe uh, probably many times over from what I can understand. And we're talking about business, obviously, but international business and the differences between international business. Our scripture today, Nehemiah, 7.12, I put in charge of Jerusalem my brother Hananiah, along with Hananiah, the commander of the citadel, because he was a man of integrity and feared God more than most men do. Let, let, let's talk about that, Dick, for a minute. Um, you know, uh, integrity, obviously, um, uh, I think people look for that in a company and look for that across the table. It's not like I think people are coming out of the corners, although there are people out there that are unethical. Let's talk about that for a second. Let's talk about it from a Christian perspective. When you go out there, are you finding more and more Christian people, organizations to work with in business, or is it going the other way?
3: Well, I'm finding more and more young people that believe ethical behavior mm-hmm. is a, a strong attribute of okay. business, okay? Because you can always do business the other way. Mm-hmm. The trouble is, is that if you're not known as an ethical business people, you will eventually run into the wall of the kind of business you can do. So more and more young people. um, Yes, I'm finding more Christian organizations, uh, as our missionaries are out there in a lot of countries. Mm. I'm amazed by the amount of Christians I find coming from countries that I didn't think that was uh, really a big issue. But there's more and more out there. But they're also realizing the practical aspect of doing ethical business.
4: Mm. Well, you know, I even hear with the relation to Christians, you know, you hear both sides of the story. You know, you hear like what's going on in Egypt, the Muslim Brotherhood and all stuff stuff's <coughs> going on there. Yeah. And the Coptics are really under pressure there and they're, yeah. they're really getting shortchanged. But then on the other hand, I hear a lot about China uh, with the underground movement of churches growing and people right. growing and people coming to Christ. So you're seeing more and more of that out
3: there. Yes, I am. I mean, when I lived in Hong Kong in the 90s <clears throat> up until 1994, our church, which was a missionary church there, was supporting Christian underground churches churches in china Mm. Uh, the only trouble was sometimes they would disappear some of the people that we gave all because they would just get taken out these were all house churches of course right right? right, right. but that's becoming bigger and bigger in china but people fail to realize that what's becoming the most powerful country in the world still does not accept the fact that you can have christian churches there
4: right right that's amazing well well, prayerfully, one day they will, and when they yeah. do, that'll be the change that makes all the difference in the world. So um, let's talk about entrepreneurship again, because yeah. a lot of times people hear names like AT&T and Lucent <laughs> and they say, well, there goes your entrepreneurship. Right. Uh, how, how, did you, how were you able to express yourself within corporate America from that entrepreneur side?
3: Well, that's a really good question. I mean, obviously, most big corporations, whether it's AT&T or GE, it doesn't matter. They're trying to figure out how to get their people to act entrepreneurial (laughs) inside the company. I mean, that's what Steve Jobs did with Apple, right? Right. Mm -hmm. And so for myself and a lot of my colleagues, the way that we found ourselves to be entrepreneurial was to get out of the big corporate headquarters and get overseas to small countries where we're on our own with only a couple people, having a chance to really start our own businesses. So yeah, we had the support of the big company, but we went from nothing in 1980 to when I left in 1996, we were in 71 countries. Wow. We were in we were nowhere. Hmm. So we had all these people around the world becoming entrepreneurial inside the big umbrella. Right. The problem I mentioned to you during the break was when they came back <laughs> because they were used to being on their own and thinking entrepreneurial. They were not used to working in a corporate structure.
4: Right. I, I almost think of that as countercultural. You know I yeah. mean? You sit there and you have corporate America and you have entrepreneurship or small yeah. business, medium-sized business, whatever. So... Uh, Obviously, you could get out of the office to do that, and the company wanted you to do that. But when they brought you back in, were they trying to retrain you to get well, yeah, you back I in mean, line? Well, yeah, I that's
3: what, is the unfortunate part was that a lot of people had to fit into a larger corporate structure, which didn't fit the mentality of an entrepreneur. And so mm-hmm. a lot of them left, or a lot of them we fashioned a deal for them to go back but be treated by lo- as locals. So right. they couldn't be any more an expat. Mm-hmm. And most of them offered that kind of a deal would go back. So let me ask you this,
4: then, just some advice for our listeners. Yeah. If, if you're in a corporate environment, let's say, and you're working for one of the big boys, let's yeah. say, and you have this entrepreneurial spirit that you feel like you're squashing, I mean, is there a place in big business to find and be able to, a, a niche that they could help to develop that entrepreneurial spirit, or, or do they need to get out?
3: Well, I mean, yes, if they can get into the international division. Mm-hmm. I mean, if they have a desire for the different cultures, that is probably the most entrepreneurial division, right? right? But also, a lot of companies have kind of skunk works operations, where they've got kind of, it usually ends up in research and so on, where mm-hmm. they've got kind of small groups of people acting entrepreneurial. And some mm-hmm. of the most successful companies have that. But you have to go searching for those, mm-hmm. right? It's not going to come just because you're there.
4: Right. So if you have that entrepreneurial angst and you feel like you're trapped in corporate America, right. maybe you need to look into your own culture a little deeper and see if there's some division or some area right. of the company where you can actually I get I mean, in if and, your
3: company's doing career planning the way they're supposed to, this mm-hmm. should come out once a year in a career plan and they should then begin to, if you're a good employee, structure you to try to get there.
4: Right, right. That's good insight. Very good insight. So this issue of ethics and um, the dealing with uh, um, uh, the cross-cultural aspect of the ethics, when people are sitting down, are are they really getting slapped in the face with this when they come to your classes or is this stuff they're kind of semi-prepared for?
3: No, they're – well, I mean, they're prepared because they know what it is in their country. But right. they're not prepared for the reaction some people have to the way in which business is done in their country. So we mm. talk a lot about that, right. about what is the way in which business is done. How do you have to have it done? What it does mean is that you have to throw away some places. Mm. You can't do the business there. If you know it's that unethical, you just don't go in there.
4: Right. And uh, so – and and there are certain environments that you, you – would give a heads up to and say, hey, that's not a place you really right, want to go." Right, because there's
3: in. an accepted level of payment mm-hmm. for play uh, right. that has to go on, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just the way it is. It's not like paying a customs guy $1,000 to get your stuff off the dock. By the way, that's even allowed under our laws, right? <laughs> you can do that. That's called a facilitating payment. Really? It's just a, a, a grease payment to get something done. It's transparent in a way. Uh, some of that is okay. No right? kidding. Right? But it's not okay if you're my client and I give you $100,000 under the table or I send your kid to Stanford in order for you to give me the business. That's not allowed.
4: Right, right. So there's
3: graduations, and a lot of them are gray.
4: Mm. And, and I know that uh, that that's a big part of your thought process when you're going out there. Because you even mentioned to me that uh, you know, like the Bible says, it's a narrow road, right? There, there are, there are right. sometimes more opportunities if you grease the wheels in right. an illegal way, uh, but you might end up in jail.
3: <laughs> that's true. You can't get the camel through the eye of the needle, right? No, that's right. Not that's happen. right.
4: But when you 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 follow that ethical path, obviously right. uh, it, it's more rewarding.
3: It's more rewarding, and people will know that there's there's no other thing that's on the table when you doing business mm.
4: yeah. now you you yeah. uh, not to be jumping around but you've met with some pretty powerful players out there uh, right. world leaders uh, let's talk about a couple of those
3: yeah well yes, sir. arafat before he died um i was in in palestine and in the west bank and in gaza with him but that was 1994 when our country was probably closer than ever before to, to having peace when clinton had the two leaders on the on the on the walk there and I was meeting with him because we were trying to do great things inside that country mm. with U.S. money and, by the way, with Palestinian money coming from Saudi Arabia and a bunch of places to help the Palestinian people. Right. The trouble was is the money never got to, to the, the Palestinian people, people mm. right? And that's part of the issue today. Uh, the money got to the leaders, particularly Mr. Arafat, and that's why I had to go see him. That was one of my most difficult conversations oh, really? ever, mm. right? Because he knew what I knew, and I knew what he knew. <laughs> but we were trying to unstick this problem, right. but it was unstickable. So it.
4: you were literally putting Arafat on the carpet. <laughs> well,
3: yeah, but it was just a one-on-one meeting, so nobody was around to hear it. Right, right, but, right. But that's what we were trying to do, is to figure out how do we get out of this problem.
4: And you see that often?
3: Well, not at that level, right? usually. I mean, yeah. uh, the other leader that I met with was uh, Jiang Zemin, who was pretty much the architect of China's uh, success today. Mm. And, but I met with him on a business issue. I wanted to build a joint venture in Beijing because that's where my office was, and we were just new there. But he knew in his mind, and if you think today, that Shanghai was going to be the new business capital of China. Mm. And he wanted me to move everything I was doing to Shanghai. I had not that in my plans. But when you have the president of the country say, well, I think you ought to go there, what you do is you go there. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not stupid, right? Right. <laughs> Dick,
4: I want to thank you for coming in today. I can't believe uh, I, I we have a long list of things. I know both of us yeah. have notes that we wanted to touch on today and we didn't get to them. I right. hope that uh, in the near future you'll come and join us again on the show. My pleasure uh, to show. Do that. Um, you know, I just want to touch on the Scriptures one more time, the Micah right. 4.3 Scripture. He will judge between many peoples and will settle disputes for strong nations far and wide. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. I think that business really helps that happen. Uh, And I'm glad there's people of integrity that are believers like yourself that are out there in the international business market that are helping to make that happen. Because one day, every knee will bow, right? Matthew 12, 21, in his name, The nations will put their hope. Uh, I know that's our prayer, that one day that all the nations will wake up and put their hope because uh, that's the saving grace that I think is going to make the difference with all these international businesses. Would you agree, Dick?
3: I would. And if you'd just allow me to quote Luke, uh, one of my favorites is, no servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other or he'll be devoted to the one. And despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money at the mm. same time.
4: Amen. It's Amen. the love of
3: money, not making money. Right. I don't think that's bad. It's right. the love of money.
4: Right. And that's a whole nother topic that yeah. we maybe want to base our next show that we do together <laughs> yeah. on. But Dick, I want to really thank you for taking time out of your Saturday and joining us this morning. It's been my pleasure. You're listening to Tandem Radio Live. Don't forget, tandemradio.com. You want to make sure you get there. Tandemradio.com. And if you have any questions, Info at TandemRadio.com is how you can reach us. I-N-F-O at TandemRadio.com. Send your emails in. We'll forward them to Dick if you have questions specifically for him or any general questions about business we'd love to help you with. We'd be more than happy to send it your way. Thanks for the team today for uh, making this all happen, and thank you, Lord, for uh, blessing us with the opportunity today on the Bridge FM Radio every Saturday morning, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. You've been listening to the Good News on Business, a Tandem Radio live broadcast heard here on the
2: Bridge FM Radio Network and streaming at tandemradio.com. Don't forget to join us every Saturday at 11 a.m. to 12 noon Eastern Standard Time and call us and email us with your questions because we'd love to hear from you. You can also visit our website for the latest blogs from Peter and Glenn along with other information about upcoming guests, events, and business opportunities. I'm Kevin Reeves and from everyone at Tandem Radio, we hope that you have a blessed week and remember, walk with the Lord every day in every way.